Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I say. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. I promised uh, Alderwoman uh, Rodriguez Sanchez that uh, we would probably play that quote uh, Lori Lightfoot's exchange with uh, Raylo, Raymond Lopez. I just I just had a feeling, Rosanna, we were going to play it. <laughs> and there you go. You get to hear it all. Were you there, by the way, when it you went down? I I... My call dropped right right before that happened. So I actually didn't hear that. I was on the call because it was a briefing. Yeah. Um, and we were all waiting. And then that happened. But I was not on the call at that particular time. When I came back, um, yeah, that, that had already. <laughs> yeah, it had already happened. Well, we That's one of our favorite. And, and, and Raylo has been on the show several times. And every time he comes on, we always play. <laughs> hey, Raylo, man, check it out. All right, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. First of all, thank you very much uh, for participating with Peter Cunningham. I I may throw a few questions at you at the end of the interview about that. Uh, Peter Cunningham, PC Cunningham, uh, a speechwriter for Mayor Daly and Rosanna, we're so uh, gracious uh, to sit down uh, a a virtual first Tuesday on Tuesday. We recorded that. We're going to drop it, I believe, on Sunday for our podcast. And uh, it was a really great... um, Rosanna, I thought you and PC did a great job of just being respectful to each other, not attacking one another, but you weren't afraid uh, to take, you know, a differing point of view on the whole issue of how how far to the left should the Democrats go? How far to the center should they stay? Uh, so I thought it was a respectful discussion. It was. it was. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and uh, so it was great for the hideout. Uh, the money went to the hideout. All right, uh, let's talk Chicago budget. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this on the show, uh, Rosanna, as you know. 29 to 21 was the vote last Tuesday, I want to say, right before Thanksgiving, uh, and uh, to approve Mayor Lori Lightfoot's budget. You were one of the no votes. So why don't we just start uh, at the top by explaining why uh, you voted no. Well, to start with, I would say that that budget definitely didn't represent the values um, of, of people like me that ran campaigns on making sure that we were um, ensuring that there are resources for everybody, right? Um, as we have said before, um, there were other alternatives and, and the mayor decided not to dig into those. Um, there was proposals that we made that were of course sent to rules and, and, and the proposals were sent to rules. Some of these proposals, um, 
even when we have been talking, trying to talk about these things for months, right? In my case, particularly uh, in September, I introduced a council order and I informed the mayor that I was introducing it and we had a brief exchange through text um, about it. Um, I introduced a council order to instruct the budget director, the commissioner of public health and the director of OEMC to start looking at creating a crisis response and care model that would uh, use EMTs and social workers out of the mental health clinics uh, in Chicago to tend to nonviolent emergencies and, and mental health crisis instances instead of police, right? Mm-hmm. And and I introduced this in the wake of the protest uh, because of the murder of, Joy, of George Floyd uh, by police, and I really wanted to have a discussion about this and the hearing never came. Right. So then I keep talking about this and talking about it and trying to trying to get uh, the mayor's office engaged with it. They were planning a co-responder model, which is a different thing is, you know, you send uh, mental health practitioners with police. We wanted to do something different because we know that uh, police is not going to be needed in every instance, right? So uh, we started looking at the model of cahoots in Eugene, Oregon, um, and we started looking at the fact that a lot of cities in the U.S. are now moving in that direction, even cities that started with corresponder models. So San Francisco, L.A., New York, they are all doing non-law enforcement-based response, crisis response. Um, so we went in a, you know, it, it was a, it was a long process. Uh, I never got a hearing for it. The, the council order is still in the health and human relations committee waiting for a hearing, but because we weren't able to discuss this, then there was no way to include it in the budget either. So it was like screaming all the time. The, the progressive caucus took this issue, the, the non-law enforcement crisis response issue as a top priority. Um, but then at the end, when, you know, when the negotiations go down, the mayor's office uh, didn't have me at the table, even though I was leading on that issue. And, uh, and then, you know, there was a division in terms of how people voted based on how important the, the decision of including non-law enforcement response was. At the end of the day, the mayor had uh, said that she was not going to include non-law enforcement at all, that it was just her co-responder model. And at the last hour, she decided that she was going to put language in but the language didn't come accompanied by like any money or any resources to get it done right which is very common um so i think that uh the regressive measures in this budget are horrible it's a budget you know like many people have said before that is like a ram emmanuel kind of budget um and and the little things that that were included were included because of a lot of pressure from you know across caucuses and it was still incredibly insufficient. So if I'm going to give you my vote to pass a budget, at least I have to feel that there's some alignment <laughs> with the things that I believe in and not just crumbs, just like like uh, my colleague uh, Alderman Janet Taylor said. All right. Now, uh, let's go back and talk about uh, the order, uh, the, the proposal that you introduced to the city council, what became of it. Uh, because had they granted you a hearing, uh, 
And you, so you asked to have it to be submitted and get it right to the Health and Human Relations Committee of the City yeah, Council. And, and, and Alderman and Chairman Sawyer said that he would give us a hearing, and he's open to giving us a hearing. Afterwards, um, Alderman, uh, Chairman Pat Dowell said that it needed to be a joint committee hearing with budget and health and human relations, and then budget hearing started. So then, you know, they said, well, we're already in budget, so we I can see. take that out. Um, <laughs> and when did you introduce that proposal? In September, in the council meeting in September. In September, okay. So somehow or other, uh, two months went by and it was too late to have the hearing. But if there were a hearing, this is not as trivial as it sounds, because if there were a hearing, everybody could bring forth their witnesses to testify. So if yeah. you were the police department, let's say, the fraternal order of police, and you vehemently oppose this for whatever reason, you could bring in your expert. And your expert could testify and say, Alderwoman uh, Rodriguez-Sanchez proposal will really endanger humanity uh, if we allow it to happen. So in other words, you talk about letting in the light, bringing in the light or whatever they say and being transparent. This would be democracy. Exactly. And then you would, you would bring in your witnesses that would say, no fraternal order, please. You have it wrong. We can save lives and save money by having... Uh, social workers respond uh, to people who are having mental breakdowns. Is, am I yes. correct in that? Well, you are exactly correct, and we don't have that in city council. Uh, if you want to discuss something, if you introduce a measure that the administration doesn't like, it's not going to see the light of day unless you fight like hell and get so many people aligned with you. And that is a really hard thing to do in city council, you know? Um it, it has happened to me before, for example, with the with the Indigenous People Day ordinance. We should have Indigenous People Day already in Chicago. Why Why can I have a vote on that? And we, we just eliminate Columbus Day. Um, but, but the things that the administration doesn't want us to talk about or touch, they don't get discussed. And that is exactly the opposite of democracy. Communities, a lot of these, a lot of the ordinances um, and bills that we introduce we do with communities. There's a lot of work that goes in every proposal that we put in. And, and, and mostly because we don't have our own vehicles, right, to create legislation. I mean, we have the, the, legislative, the legis, legislative bureau. But if you want to do something that the administration doesn't have anything to do with and that the administration doesn't have access because they will fight you, right? We don't have that kind of legal counsel. So we do a lot of work with communities. There's a lot of time, energy, and resources that go into being able to introduce legislation that then is sent to rules. And then communities can't participate of the discussion either. So everybody's left out of the process. Um, and, and that's exactly the opposite of bringing in the light. All right. And so in this case, they didn't send your proposal to rules, What they they left it in the, the committee that you wanted to be in. And then they told you, well, we really need a joint. I don't know why you need a joint committee, by the way, whatever. And so it's just a way of uh, delaying it. Yeah. Um, you said you texted Lori Lightfoot uh, to let her know that you were going to introduce it. Did she respond to your text? Yeah, she did. Um, the So what I introduced is called a council order. Um which is, you know, the if 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 it passes, the the council would be uh, instructing uh, the different departments to to take an action, right? Um, and the reason why we did a council order was because we actually didn't know exactly how much it would cost, and we needed the expertise of inside the departments to tell us. 
Um, so I did text her on the day that I introduced it and, uh, she replied back that she didn't like orders. And I said, this is a council order. (laughs) Um, this is a council order, you know, it's a bill. And she said that she would talk about it with me, you know, that she was open to it. But the reality is that there was never, uh, a real conversation that allowed for this to be considered seriously. It didn't happen, at least not in budget. And and what happened at the end, because I knew that they were not calling us to the table, not me and not the collaborative that I've been working with that has 50 organizations um, behind it, supporting this council order. Um, when, when it finally became evident that they were not willing to talk to us, then I introduced a budget amendment to create a pilot that would cost five million dollars, and with the alongside the Progressive Caucus, we agreed that we were going to ask for for the five million, but they would they wouldn't they would never you know um, give us that during the budget process. They were opposed to it. Um, so then the only thing that was put in was uh, the word non-law enforcement, essentially. Um, to add it to the language that they already had to their corresponder model uh, and no extra funds were allocated. So actually the budget now is 1.7 million for the two models. And I actually don't know how it is going to work or how the money is going to be distributed. I see. All right. Now uh, you are a member of the socialist caucus in the Chicago city council. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I believe there's six members of the socialist caucus. Uh, This gets really confusing to people following. Uh, You're also a member of the progressive caucus. Am I correct in that? You're in the progressive caucus. Uh, There are many more members of the progressive caucus. So that includes like more like liberal traditional liberals who think, well, I'm a little, that socialism thing is a little scary. I'll just stay with the progressive. Uh, Ben, let me correct something, because we actually do not have an established socialist caucus yet. We have been operating as a socialist bloc inside of city council, but we haven't come out as a socialist caucus that has been registered and, you know, with 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 um, with yeah, with a constitution or anything like that. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so what I'm, the point I'm making is that some people are in the socialist block and they're also in the progressive uh, caucus. Yeah. Uh, and but the socialists are kind of what I would call the badasses in this one. And they're just taking the tough stand. That's kind of how I view it. And the progressives, maybe not so. Um, a couple of members of the socialist block voted for the budget. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Maria Haddon and Andre Vasquez. Maria Socialist. She has never used that label. Andre is the one that uh, is a member of Democratic Socialists of America. Very good point. Okay, so I said corrected. Um, so that that vote by Andre uh, and Maria, even though she's not a member of the Socialist Bloc, uh, was elected. She defeated Joe Moore uh, in the same election that you cycle that you won, and has been outspoken in her support for progressive causes. She ran as a out, out, progressive. So the fact that Maria Haddon and Andre Vasquez voted for the budget uh, sort of like gave the the mayor a certain amount of credibility among uh, lefties. That's what she was hoping to get. So what's your just general response to um, the fact that Maria and Andre uh, voted for the budget? So I think Maria and Andre had different reasons to, to vote, yes. And I think that distinction is going to be important. Maria... Um, took the non-law enforcement model um, 
as her top priority, the, the non-law enforcement crisis response model. So I think at the moment when we were discussing um, the, the, the crisis response thing, um, Maria made a decision on, on her own, right? That she thought this is the best for my community right now um, because they are going to include the non-law enforcement language. And because that, that's ultimately, that's the only thing they offered. They didn't offer anything else, right? They were not going to, they were definitely not talking to me. So, uh, so, so what they offered was we will give you the non-law enforcement language. We will include it. And then she decided that 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 was enough for her to vote yes. And I think that that has to do with our ideas of what a win is. Um, and and it became very clear. I mean, I have known this, but it became really evident in this process that in the Progressive Caucus, um, we have very different ideas of, of what a win is and what is meaningful and why and what is enough for us to be able to support um, the mayor on a budget. So that was Maria's um, Maria's decision. We have met with her several times after we have had conversations about it, and we are also committed, you know, to talking about process because it's going to be important as we move forward trying to advance this kind of, of legislation that we, you know, that, that we stand together. Okay. All right. And, and, and Andre, I think we actually have a clip. Dennis, you have that clip? So, uh, Rosanna, we're going to play a clip from Andre Vasquez, 40th Ward Alderman, uh, just as Rosanna and Maria, he was elected in the 2019 cycle. He defeated Pat O'Connor, who was uh, Mayor Rahm's floor leader. Uh, so it was a big victory for progressive cause uh, in the city of Chicago when O'Connor was defeated and Andre was victorious. And uh, he voted for the budget. And here are his comments uh, that he made uh, after the right before the vote. The vote. Go ahead, D. Alderman Vasquez. I am voting yes reluctantly, not because of any intimidation by the executive branch, not as an abandonment of the principles that I share with those colleagues and comrades who wanted to see true progressive revenue options. Our restaurant, hotel, airport, and other industries whose taxes fund our city government have been decimated by COVID. In addition, our public transportation and public event revenue is a fraction of what we could typically expect to generate, and we don't know when those revenues will return, if ever. I began looking at this budget within that context. This wasn't a budget in which my focus was about what I wanted to achieve, but about what the city needs to survive in the immediate. That required the work and research to dig into the problem and identify what could be done. It led to the discovery that this council is not adequately equipped or resourced itself to truly make the case for the alternatives that could be implemented. Part of my decision included a commitment from the administration to work together to create budget working groups of alders to commence at the start of the year so that this government can function for the people it serves and so we never have to be in this position again. When this budget was introduced, it brought together a coalition of the Black, Latino, and Progressive Caucuses to negotiate for a stronger, better budget. With the help of our partners in labor, such as the CFL and grassroots organizers, we stopped 350 layoffs of Black and Brown city workers. We minimized the furloughs. We separated the welcoming city ordinance from the budget vote. We increased funding for violence prevention programs that don't rely on police to the tune of 36 million. And we wrote into law the first ever non law enforcement mental health response model in Chicago as part of a pilot. To Mayor Lightfoot's credit, she was open to discussions. She came to the table, 
She negotiated and accepted changes that were not in the initial budget proposal. I personally made calls directly to our mayor, unlike some, to communicate that I wasn't a default no and what we needed to engage and communicate to find solutions together. It was grueling and tense at many points, but the negotiations continued and we found agreement. I will always make the difficult choice for the city rather than saying I don't like anything in a budget and saying no before even looking at it. Finally, I want this council and this city to remember that last year, when a coalition of mostly black and brown alders voted no on the 2020 budget, we were publicly targeted by a custom-built campaign website. I do not expect that we will see the same treatment of some of the committee chairs and other powerful, privileged white aldermen this year who are relying on the votes of myself and many of my black and brown colleagues to pass a budget. Committee budgets have not been slashed. Those alders will still continue to enjoy staff, support, and control over the legislative process, and those imbalances are part of the problem. All right. That was Andre Vasquez, who voted a uh, member of the uh, socialist bloc, voted yes for the budget. Uh, your general response, Rosanna. Um, wow. <laughs> so so one thing about Andre's speech is that I didn't hear it when when I was in the in the council meeting because I had to step away. So I heard it for the first time on your on your podcast. Um. Okay, I think that there are a few things that is worth pointing out to say that, um, unlike some, I, you know, I, I take issue with that because I think that I know who he's talking about. <laughs> I think he's talking about me and my other socialist colleagues, um, and to say that we. Um, that we didn't have communication with the mayor. Um, I've been trying to talk to her since September uh, and with her team, right? Um, to say that uh, that he called her so that she would know that he's a default no and that there's people, that he was not a default no and that there's people who um, say no to the budget even before looking at it, I think is very disingenuous because we were at every hearing, we were looking at the budget as, you know, as it was proposed and we did make recommendations. Um, so I, I, I take, I definitely take issue with it. I feel like, I mean, I have conversations with Andrew all the time too. So, you know, nothing that I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I, I haven't necessarily told him this part. I haven't, but I will, if he doesn't hear it <laughs> first here, but the other part is the idea of doing this framework. Um, I have also told him this. I do not understand how you put in the hands of the mayor the reform of the relationship between the city council and the mayor. And, and I told him this. I, I think that if we are to talk about an independence council, we have to figure that out because we actually have the tools to do that. We don't have to do what we're doing right now. But why do... Why does he go to the mayor to discuss this with the mayor instead of discussing it with the council so that then we can have a unified message for the mayor about how we want to run the council, right? Um, but also, I mean, I don't think that, the, that there is a lot of interest in doing something like this uh, on, on the side of the administration. Um, the other thing I would say is that the idea of, um, of saving the day which is, I believe, part of his speech, right? Um, yeah. I, I feel like 
him as the rest of us socialists, we were elected by movement. We were elected to do something different inside of the council. And when we move in there, we need to be looking at those movements and those organizations, at the people that are organizing on the ground and that are actually trying to change uh, and transform the material uh, conditions of people in the city. So to, to, to cast a vote for the budget that is not in alignment with any organization that is fighting for change, in any organization that is fighting on the left, to be able to do that transformation, I think that's problematic, right? Um, and and you know, DSA is right now debating the 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 expulsion of Andre. That that is going to be a process that uh, that is going to be democratic, and there's going to be a lot of discussion around it. Uh, DSA censored him, and he had to hear from a lot of people who who even knocked doors for him, you know, which is a hard thing. So I, I think that we need to remain accountable to the people that are, you know, leaving the skin on trying to actually change this city. And, and we owe them um, at least the consultation, you know, around our votes. One of the other arguments that Andre made, you don't hear it on that uh, recording, is that if he and Maria Haddon, uh, had not, uh, and Shirley Coleman, I guess, was the th- uh, uh, the third, or Stephanie Coleman, I should say, was the third. Uh, but if they had not cast their votes with Lori Lightfoot, uh, she would have gone in a different direction. She would have moved to the right, uh, so to speak, and cut a deal with Tommy Tunney from the 44th Ward, or Harry Osterman from the 48th Ward, or Matt O'Shea from the 19th Ward, our old boy Napolitano from the 41st Ward uh, to um, cut property taxes and uh, fire city workers. So effectively, what uh, his point of view is, is that jobs were saved uh, because they he and Maria came to the rescue and voted with the mayor on her budget, thus keeping her from going further to the right. Your thoughts on that? Um, I... I, I think that that is also a really misguided assessment. Um, as I said before, there is a matter of principle, right? We the, the property taxes were definitely one part of why we voted against the budget, but that budget was absolutely full of regressive measures. Um, we needed to be able to say no to that budget because if we don't, like what is left for us to do? What are we doing in city council? we would become the same people that have consistently come into the council and then end up saying yes to whatever the mayor says. Mm-hmm. And we will always end up with the same crappy deals that we, that we end up with. So I think that we actually had an opportunity to stop that budget and we would have to go back to the drawing table. We did have an opportunity to stop it. And, and that's one of the reasons why movement was really um, upset particularly with Andre, because the budget ended up being such a close vote. Um, Nobody wanted that. I mean, there was very few people that wanted that budget. Mm -hmm. There was a few people that, you know, spoke on the floor, like Walter Burnett, you know, praising the budget and talking about how how good things were. Uh, But apart from, you know, from some of the people that are very, very close to the mayor and her allies, people casted votes that were also very critical of the budget. So I think that people were didn't have a problem with opposing it necessarily. 
And we could have done more work to make sure that we stop that budget from going forward and then go back to the drawing table. Mm. Uh, and let's go back to uh, his comment, unlike some. Uh, and this is, I had a little fun with this earlier in the show. Uh, it seems as though in, in the city of Chicago, that when people, and I call them lefties because that's what I am, Rosanna. So I hope you're not offended by it. I call people like me lefties. That's what I call myself, all right? Why are you be offended by that? Yeah, okay, God bless you. Some people go, Ben, don't say lefty. Say progressive. But, you know, <laughs> so I'm a lefty. That's who I am. That's what I've always been, all right? Yeah. And I've been known to vote for many liberals, Rosanna. Oh, my goodness. Including yep. Lori Lightfoot. I voted for her. All right, so, um, yes. I'm revealing a lot to you today, Rosanna. All right. Uh, Thank you for your vulnerability. Yes, I'm just opening up. It's just, I don't know what it is. Anyway, so it's always like, how come people like me are the bad guys? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just laughed. Tom Tony, I've known him forever. Alderman for the 44th Ward. He gets to vote no. But, like, he's pragmatic when he votes no. He's responsible when he votes no. When Rosanna Rodriguez votes no, she's like, oh, God, a commie. You know, you can't deal with her. How come you, like, you can deal with Tom, Tony when he votes no, and Matt O'Shea when he votes no, and uh, Harry Osterman when he votes no? They all get to be chairman of committees, you know, and considered responsible leaders in the city of Chicago. But when Rosanna Rodriguez votes no, She's just a lefty you can't talk to. She's just, you can't deal with her. She's like one step away from Fidel Castro and their eyes are rolling. Please explain that to me, Rosanna Rodriguez. I mean, there's there's a there's a, a, a history of that in the United States, right? This red baiting um, where, where we, yeah, we are ir- irrational and, you know, all we want is to fight all the time. And, and that is not true. <laughs> and it's, and it's sad, you know, to, to hear something like that also from people that are close to you and, and that, and that should be representing, you know, or are close to your ideas. Like when, you know, when I introduced the council order for, for the, for the crisis uh, response and care, model the amount of research that we have done for this we're not just yelling we're looking at best practices we are looking at what good government looks like and let me tell you good government doesn't look anything like what we're doing right now but somehow when we say you're totally right somehow when we say it from the left it it just we're just yelling we're just yelling and it doesn't matter how you say it right because i am actually i don't yell in the council uh, floor. I am actually very nice when I speak, <laughs> and I, you know, I don't insult people. I I have moments, of course, when I am very direct and I say exactly what I want to say. But we are. I mean, if you if you ask around about us, like people like us, <laughs> we're we are good people. Um, but but somehow that there is this idea that that we don't really want to. Um, to get to agreements, we just want to yell, right? And and that's not true. If, if there had had there been something more meaningful in this budget, had they include the five million dollars for a pilot, the, the conversation would be definitely a different one. But but I also take issue with the fact that we look at budgets 
in the way that we do, right? It's like, what are you going to give me that is going to make me look good or that is going to advance a little tiny bit of what I want for the city? And then we don't look at the budget budget as a holistic document, right, that, that impacts everybody in the city. And and that culture needs to end. Um, we we definitely have a lot, work, a lot of work to do to, to reform city council. What, uh, so what's next? The budget was passed and already today in the Sun-Times I saw an article about borrowing money that I didn't even know we were going to be borrowing. Uh, so what's next uh, for Chicago uh, going forward? <laughs> um, well, on our camp, for, at least for all the socialists, we are definitely working really hard to make sure that we can continue to propose progressive revenue measures. Um I, I, to me, it's really interesting or I, I don't know how to call it, actually. It's outrageous <laughs> that, that, that the administration is never committed to doing that work, right? To, to actually try, at least try to make something happen that brings progressive revenue and that will tax the wealthy or that will, you know, we can, because we are super creative when it comes to taxing poor people and, 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 to, and to pass regressive measures that are going to impact uh, poor people the most, right? Like those ideas are always there, but, but taxing the rich is a lot harder. Uh, and, and there's never a commitment to be able to do that. Right. So for us in, you know, the, the socialist group, we, we want to make sure that we are, um, uh, working on, on bringing ideas for progressive revenue. The, one of the main things that I would say I, I want to be pushing for is to transform the idea that we have of public safety. And we talked a little bit about this on the show, um, with Peter uh, Cunningham, I I think that we need a, a complete uh, platform, right? A complete new vision of what are the tools that we should be using to keep our communities safe. And I am working on that, you know, with a lot of passion, a lot of urgency. Because um, the idea of defunding police, the idea of, of, of taking resources out of uh, punishment and incarceration and putting them into actually building up our communities need um, uh, a place to be put right in that, that we need to be able to come up with concrete proposals of what would we do with the money that we would take from policing? What are the systems and the structures that we're going to create to keep people safe in the absence of more policing? Um, so we are working hard on that as well. Um, that, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And I think that we also need to work on the good government part of this. Uh, we need to reform city council. And I think I have a lot of conversations to have with Andrea because I'm not down with giving that power to the mayor. <laughs> so, yeah. I, so I am sure that that's going to be a, a point of, uh, of friction between, between my colleague and I. Well, I can't. I think we're going to have to a secret record that next phone conversation between <laughs> Rosanna and Andre. All right, I cannot let you uh, leave uh, without getting ask you the Rahm Emanuel question. Where uh, this is a very popular position you took with people who listen to my podcast. Uh, not a lot of Rahm lovers uh, in. Uh, who listened to my podcast with the exception, maybe a Peter Cunningham, my dear friend. So, um, uh, uh, you, you're, you took a very public position, uh, from the get go, uh, with the, at the notion that Joe Biden would appoint Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, to run the department of transportation. 
And uh, so why don't you elaborate a little bit of that, uh, Rosanna, uh, your thoughts about the possibility of Rahm Emanuel being the secretary of the Department of Transportation. I think that idea is horrifying and it's horrifying to a lot of people in Chicago. I think it would be a slap in the face uh, to so many people in Chicago that uh, that were impacted by his neoliberal policies that wrecked so many things in Chicago, you know, from covering the murder of Laquan McDonald, which is unforgivable. Uh, and nobody that did something like that to advance their political career should be in public service, in my opinion. Um, but also the closure of, you know, 50 schools and mental health clinics uh, that we're still paying for that, right? With um, with an increase in, in, in police taking care of mental health crises. Um, yesterday, the, the inspector general released a report about the mismanagement of recycling in Chicago. That in part is the legacy of RAM. He closed the Department of the Environment at a time when we needed it the most. So also, you know, making sure that rich people and developers like uh, Sterling Bay, you know, and, and Lincoln Yards had uh, access to TIF money um, when he was, you know, closing schools and, and mental health clinics. Um, I don't think that we want anybody in making decisions that will impact the whole nation that embraces the kind of policies that Ram um, uh, put forward here in Chicago. So we are going to do everything that we can. We're going to continue to scream and yell and make noise so that they hear us um, because we don't want him in the White House. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't belong anywhere where decisions about our lives are being made. I'm with you on that one, 100%. All right, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, thanks so much uh, for taking time to come on the show. Uh, and uh, we'll be uh, also, folks, if you didn't get enough of Rosanna right now, uh, check out on Sunday. We'll drop the conversation she had with Peter Cunningham. And uh, that was a very productive conversation, particularly in the issue of policing. I think you and Peter and Arnie Duncan see eye to eye on uh, moving away from the send in the cops model. Uh, so maybe there's some hope. Ben, there. one more thing. I, there's a petition going on on change.org. Look it up uh, so that you can sign on to it and say that you don't want Rahm Emanuel hired by Joe Biden in the White House. Man, I don't have to sign any petition. I've been saying that stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the what you initiated that petition correct yes 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 it's out there and it has uh the letter the open letter to joe biden i'll, I'll email it to you but email it to me yeah we now are email friends uh i just yeah. learned that the heart. <laughs> all right rosanna you take care stay safe and sound all right okay bye all right, very good. I want to thank Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, 33rd Ward, Dennis's own uh, Alderwoman. Uh, great job she did. And of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as everybody knows, as Man Cow and DB Darren Bailey will tell you back home at Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take another penny cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
Water Cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. That is correct. I'm a Trump crack. I'm a Trump crack. I'm a Trump crack. That is correct. I'm a Trump crack. That is correct. That is correct. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.